It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we cross over with your boy Q from the Lockdown Raiders podcast. He does a great job. I retweeted him a little bit earlier today. If you're interested in following Raiders news this week, you can find him on Twitter on my timeline, and you'll see him coming up in segments two and three with James Rapine. I'm here to get you started, though, with James, and Zach Taylor today in his press conference coming off the bye week in the first full practice in the Bengals preparations to take on the Las Vegas Raiders discussed two starters that have emerged or secured their spots in roster battles that we've speculated about a little bit and was pretty firm about the status for this week at least that it's going to be Hakeem Adeniji, it's going to be Eli Apple. So disillusion yourself of the notion that (laughs) Eli Apple is going to have to fight for his job because to me, it sounds like that job for now with Trey Wayne still working his way back on IR is secure. Starting corner right now. He does what we ask him to do. I, I don't know who's got him under fire. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we, we expect our, our guys to play at a high level and uh, Eli's got a short memory. You know, if you, if you give up a, a play that corners are going to give up, he does a great job kind of putting that away and moving on to the next play and, um, that's that's critical. You know, it's it's one of the hardest positions to play in all of football. Uh, it's one of my wife's favorite things to say, and uh, it's true. You know, and so uh, you know, I, I don't envy the position those guys get in, but um, he does a great job. He plays with a high degree of confidence, and he's done some really good things for us this year. And those other guys ha- have roles that they start to work their way into. You know, it's um, Vernon has has been here for for one and a half practices basically. Um, even though it's maybe a 12-day stretch, uh, you know, the players were off and, and not practicing. Um, uh, Trey has, has now been around a little bit longer. and We've used him um, in some different roles on defense. And so we just continue to build off that stuff and see, see where we can help our defense. And, and uh, it's good to have a bunch of players who have experience in the league that's, that's only going to continue to serve us well. When Hargraves got claimed... To me, it was more of about Trey Waynes than anything and how far away Waynes was. By the way, Zach Taylor did say Trey Waynes going to be on the rehab field. He was on Wednesday and uh, wouldn't be activated this week or, or um, taken on or activated uh, You know that 21-day window off of injured reserve. So I think Waynes is still far away, and the Bengals are like, what are we going to do? And so that's why they've added a, a Trey Flowers. That's why they added a Vernon Hargraves, and they believe – that Eli Apple has given them some solid play this year, regardless of what you believe or I believe or what pro football focus. I, I think they think he's their best option today. Now, in two weeks, could that change? Maybe. But uh, on Sunday against the Raiders, it's going to be Eli Apple in Chido Bay And you kind of heard that in the way Taylor talked about it in terms of the, Vernon Hargraves has been there for one and a half practices, two practices now maybe, or, or maybe it's still one and a half, right? It's, two and it's, a half. He was there on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. So, so two and a half practices now. And 
it's going to be incremental with a lot of guys they bring in. Trey Flowers didn't play in the first game, and then he started getting some – or did he play in the first game? Am I am I mixed up? No, he missed. No, he missed the the first game because he was claimed, and then it was like late three days week. later they played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. he traveled with them. I think he went to Baltimore. I think that's what it was. And, and then he started getting a little bit of playing time, playing against some tight ends at times. And then he, st- he you know, he he started incrementally getting playing time, and they worked him in. Might see the same thing with Hargraves. Might not. Maybe Hargraves is just straight up a backup. But, you know, they, they've got these guys that are former first-round picks that there's clearly some talent there. And it's not like Hargraves was a controversial pick. Like, there, there were a lot of people that really liked Hargraves coming out. So, sure. you know, you, you hope you have a reclamation project there. But anyone hoping he was going to come in and hit the ground running and, and start and take away a job from Eli Apple, also a former first-round pick, although a little bit more controversially. Uh, you know, both these guys have been in the league, and, and I think the Bengals probably have a pretty good idea of who they are. And so it it shouldn't surprise anyone that this would be incremental. And it's been the same thing on the offensive line when we've seen changes too. And it's really only been right guard where Mm -hmm. it started with Xavier Suofilo, where coming in to the preseason, James, you and I both thought Jackson Carmen's job to lose. And turns out he he had to win it more than he had to lose it. And he, he didn't do enough. Eventually he gets in after some injuries happen. And clearly the Bengals still not, entirely happy with Jackson Carmen's progression and where he's at right now. They think he needs more seasoning. They think he needs to be more consistent and hopefully that continues to happen for him. But they were also go back to the preseason, James excited about Hakeem Adenogy, right? And they thought he had a role to play on this team before the peck tear. Yeah, for sure. And th- that's the thing is what Adenogy have been RG one coming into the year. Like he might've been, if he never tore, tore his peck, you never know. And, I asked Zach that, and he kind of said, yeah, you know, he was certainly in the mix. And and clearly they think uh, a lot of him. Real quick before uh, we, we continue with the Denigy, I just want to clarify so Twitter doesn't get after me. Uh, Trey Flowers traveled to Detroit, didn't play against the Lions, and then he ended up playing against the Ravens. So there we go there. Anyways, because um, <laughs> he was guarding Mark Andrews. That's how I remember right. that. Remember That's early right. in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as Akeem Adenogy is concerned, they like his footwork. They like his natural ability. And Zach Taylor wants to see more. High expectations for him going into the injury. I think Frank was really excited about him also from what he'd seen on his college tape when he was in New York evaluating him at Kansas. So he came in with, with a good feel for Hakeem. Um, and then, and then you know, he played a bunch of different roles for us last year and did well as a rookie. He was able to mentally handle it. Um, physically played really well at Pittsburgh in his first start last year at left tackle. And so he was just a guy that we were excited to, to add in the mix and see what role he could play for us. And it just so happened we were at a point where we could take the opportunity to look at him right guard right now. We knew that um, he has physical traits and uh, mentally it all makes sense for him. He hadn't practiced very much. He played in the game. He did some really good things, some things we need to improve on. And so in the next game, it's just, okay, you've made maybe, maybe a mistake. Let's not repeat mistake. Uh, let's see you just kind of get – confidence is not the right word because he's a confident guy. He prepares himself the right way, but just confidence saying, okay, I've I've gone against some really good D-tackles. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm a good player. I belong and uh, just continue to play with, with more and more confidence. And, and it's not to say he hasn't played with confidence. It's just I think the more guys get in the mix and get to play in real games, the better that they're going to get. And you certainly hope that he does show that starting on Sunday because at some point, you need to find someone. I don't really care who it is. I don't care if it's a second rounder in Jackson Carmen. I don't care if it's Deontay Smith, who unfortunately 
would have gotten a shot at right guard, but uh, suffered a knee injury and is on injured reserve, or if it's Kima Denergy. But find the answer, find a potential solution, because right now it's one of their biggest weaknesses going into the offseason. And you could have all these young guys that you have no idea if they're going to turn out to be good. Hopefully we get an answer that one of them can at least be a league average starting guard. Because if you get that, I think that would be encouraging. Yeah, you get league average of right guard. You're feeling pretty good about a few of your offensive line spots if you can get Quentin Spain back. We talked yesterday in the mailbag about the Quentin Spain, Riley Reef. What do you do with those two positions? They have some free agents and some of the veterans that have played pretty well for them there. So we don't want to go into another offseason saying, oh, they need to draft an offensive lineman. And they probably will, regardless of what they do here, or, or acquire one in free agency, right? But it's, it, it shouldn't be another thing where it's like, man, if they don't figure out X on the offensive line, some position, we're just, what are we doing? And and so we want to avoid that conversation by finding some sort of answer this year. And I'm not opposed to it at all, right? Getting Hakeem Adenergy some run, because like Zach said, they were excited about him in the preseason. And so if he can do it, yeah, I'm with you. I don't care who it is. And if Jackson Carmen eventually figures it out, great. But right now, there's a big question at center. There's a big question at right guard. Trey Hopkins spoke a little bit about that. He's practicing on Wednesday, by the way, which is a first for him in a while. So hopefully he's feeling a little bit better with that knee after the bye week and can start to play better. He said he knows he needs to play better. He doesn't feel like the old 66. And hopefully he gets back into shape against a good Raiders defensive line coming up for the Bengals in Las Vegas this weekend. And speaking of Las Vegas coming up, Q, your boy Q, Locked On Raiders, crossing over with James Rapine coming up next. But first, I have to tell you about an incredible app that everyone that buys gas and you fill up at the tank, who doesn't, that you need. It's called GetUpside, and it's going to save you up to 25 cents off per gallon. Plus, right now, you use promo code TOUCHDOWN after you download it from the App Store or Google Play, and you're going to get a bonus 25 cents off per gallon. That's up to 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. It's free money. It's that easy. You don't pay for the app. You use promo code TOUCHDOWN. You start saving. And look, maybe you're going to be driving a lot this winter. Holidays coming up. Maybe you're going to go on a trip or two and you don't want to fly, which I understand. I've made multiple road trips in the car over the past couple of months. GetUpside is a must download. Again, right now you can save up to 50 cents off on your first fill up per gallon by using promo code TOUCHDOWN. Save up to hundreds per month. And you can get it cash back, whether it's deposited into your bank account, PayPal, or Maybe you want an Amazon gift card. You can do it all with GetUpside and make sure you use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents off per gallon on your first fill up. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. It is a crossover Thursday, which means we get a closer look and we take a closer look at the Las Vegas Raiders with your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders Podcast. Uh, Q, appreciate the time. There, there's a lot to dive into here. 
because both teams have lost back-to-back uh, -back games. Uh, but it, as far as the Raiders, there's been so many storylines with Gruden and then uh, obviously the, the awful incident and, you know, everything that's gone into uh, the Henry Ruggs story and everything. Where is this team as a whole right now, you think? Because it seems like football multiple times this season right. has maybe not been put on the back burner, but hasn't been the main story in Vegas. Right. Well, you wouldn't blame them, right? If it wasn't the the big story right now, it's just football. You know, there's so much going on. Like you mentioned, the tragedy uh, with Henry Ruggs, that incident, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, killing a, a young lady in a car accident, just a terrible situation didn't have to be. So that was heavy, man. That was really heavy. And I don't know, really, honestly, where they're at emotionally when it comes to that. Uh, they say all the right things. You know, they meet with the media and they say, you know, hey, we're we're just tighter uh, bunch now. We, we we had to band together like brothers. I mean, any kind of cliche you can come up with, they're coming up with. But, it, you know, in their hearts of heart, I wonder where they are, you know, emotionally. I think that the Gruden situation was a little easier to, to overcome. Uh, you don't want to lose your coach. But at the same time, these guys really have to police themselves on the on the court on the field anyway. And so I think that they have a better a uh, chance to kind of overcome that and just kind of go with the flow. But that Henry Rugg situation, man, he was a young dude, second year guy in the in the league and in that locker room. They are really tight, man. That's one of the things I noticed in the in the preseason and, and training camp even is how these guys really genuinely loved each other, which you you hear that with teams all the time. We like playing with each other. We like each other, you know, but this time I really believed it like it was genuine. And I think that that was a big blow to this team their psyche, their mental, their everything. So I, I think that they're in a, a rough place. I mean, it's only, you know, game number 10, week 11, that they're going to be playing on Sunday against Cincinnati. And I think if this was maybe week 17 and they saw the finish line a little bit closer, they probably would feel a little bit better about themselves that they could just kind of go away and get away and take a little time to themselves and relax and recoup. But uh, it's strange, man. It's tough. And, and I don't really know where they are. I guess that's a long way of answering. I'm not really sure, but uh, they're saying the right things. Uh, they're, they're going out there and practicing. But as you mentioned, on a two-game losing streak, and I don't think it's coincidental that they're on a two-game losing streak and they've been without Henry Ruggs now for two games. Yeah, it, and I one thing that stood out to me after the everything happened with Gruden, and obviously they responded with winning. And I know it's two completely different situations. Right. But Derek Carr, I saw him on ESPN, yep. and you saw his comments. And then I saw him, what he said about Ruggs right after the, the incident. How has he been as a leader trying to navigate this? Because it's such a tough place. Right. I would imagine he's leader number one. How has he been throughout this process? You know, I think he's been great, honestly. And it's something I've been complimenting him a lot on the podcast, on the radio show. Just, hey, man, uh, there's I don't know if he's the best guy for the job as far as the quarterback position. Uh, you know, long term. And I, I know there's always questions about Derek Carr. He's not the number one quarterback in the league, but I do think he's the number one quarterback for this job. You know, for what they have going on in that locker room, I think with the faith that he walks with and the way that he, you know, is is genuine about his 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 feelings to everyone in that locker room. Uh, when, when he said what he said about Gruden, you know, uh, uh, love the man, hate the hate the sin and, and you know, and, and saying that he's going to continue to love on on Henry Ruggs. That's that's what I believe he should have said, and that's what I think that he genuinely believes. Um, but it's not easy for everybody to do that. So I think that Derek Carr is the guy, the leader in that locker room that they need. I just don't know if they're if they've been able to kind of get over the hump yet and and, and come together as a complete unit. Uh, you know, meeting with the the media on Wednesday, he uh, you know again was saying, "Hey, this two game losing streak, uh, this is not 
for us. We, we, we've got to get together and make this happen. We get into the facility early. We're working. Everyone's here. Everyone's still bought in. So, I mean, he's a good sounding board. And, and again, I, I think his leadership has been second to none. Oh, does, is that going to translate on the field? Who knows? But I, I think for what they're up against right now, he's the best guy for the job. He's done a good job. Let's continue with the offense. And overall, I, I thought the offense, it, it had played relatively well. Obviously, they got off to that 5-2 and two start. We know about Darren Waller, certainly know about Josh Jacobs. Uh, what's What do you like and what hasn't worked over the past couple of weeks for Derek Carr and company? You, you know, it's it's funny. You mentioned two guys that I would like to see more of. It's just from my point of view, I would like to see Darren Waller be Darren Waller, be the, you know, big time weapon, the big time, you know, threat that he was week one against Baltimore. He was targeted 19 times against the Ravens. And since then, he's had like seven catches is the most. Again, a couple of weeks ago against the Giants, he had seven catches in a game. And that was it. You know, I mean, he just he hasn't been that superstar that you need. You need your big time players to step up and make plays. He hasn't been that guy. And I know that, you know, defenses are going to focus in on him. They're going to double cover him. But at some point, man, superstars got to be superstars. And offensive have to say, I'm going to get my superstar involved regardless. You know, regardless what defense you throw at him, he's going to be a big-time factor. And the Raiders haven't done that. But he's still there. With Josh Jacobs, the running game has been non-existent. I mean, last week against Kansas City, he ran for 16 yards. Kenyon Drake ran for 16 yards. Derek Carr ran for 18 yards. I mean, think about that real quick. Derek Carr ran for more yards than Josh Jacobs. There's a problem with that. that a lot of that has to do yeah. with the offensive line. A lot of that has to do with just not really good run game, running attack. So unfortunately for the Raiders, I think that they, at one point, especially under Gruden, were a, a run first team. That's how they wanted to butter their bread. But now I think it's Derek Carr bust. I think, I mean, really, honestly, and I know we haven't really started talking about the game yet, but I'm looking at 45, 50 passes on Sunday against Cincinnati. I think that's the only way they win because the run game is non-existent right now. You mentioned the offensive line being a factor there. Uh, how are they in pass blocking? Because I know there's a lot of new faces when you compare it right. to last season. There was some reshuffling. How is that offensive line as a whole? I mean, it's hot and cold. You know, they started out the season really cold, even though the Raiders were still winning. So it kind of it kind of disguised their issues that they were having. And then they went on a two-game losing streak. And then it was like obvious, okay, this new center is not that good. This new right tackle is not going to be a right tackle. He's going to be a right guard. Now we got to find someone else to put at the right tackle position. You know, like that's what I could imagine that they were saying in the locker room is just, hey, this isn't working. How do we figure this out? And so they did. They put Brandon Parker at tackle. They moved Alex Leatherwood, their first round pick, into guard. And I think that that's probably the best position for him anyway. And so he's been doing pretty well there. But they went on a, a nice little run and they got better. And Andre James, the center, all of a sudden looked like he was, you know, maturing and getting better. And then Sunday night happened against Kansas City and it looked like a, a bad performance by the offensive line. So I think that they haven't gelled yet. This is not the unit that they expected it to be at the beginning of the season. Richie Incognito hasn't played one snap yet at left guard. I don't think he's going to play at all this season. Denzel Good was supposed to be their right guard. He tore his ACL in the first game, so that was a big loss. Like I said, Leatherwood got moved inside already. I mean, it's just, it's been a, a, a big, you know, construction or a jigsaw puzzle. Let's put it like that. And I think that they have the pieces that they're going to roll with now in place. I just think that they still are a work in progress. So, uh, you know, it's it's been hot and cold, to say the least, about the offensive line. Okay, let's switch gears and and talk about the, the defense and specifically yep. that defensive line. Because I, I asked Joe Burrow if this is the best set of edge rushers, and they just faced Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney a couple weeks ago that, that he's faced all year. And he didn't go that far. I just think more so he didn't want to create a headline, but he, he right. certainly praised them, and he knows, uh, you know, what Ngakwe, what Crosby, what those guys can do. 
how good are they? Because uh, I, I remember the Ravens game specifically. I watched that game, and the, Crosby was a game wrecker. And, and it seems like that's probably uh, something the Bengals got to be aware of on Sunday. No doubt. I mean, I'll tell you right now, every time Joe Burrow drops back to pass, I mean, he's got to watch out for those two dudes because they they come after you and they'll get after you uh, in a major way. And I, I believe right now they're leading the league as far as a duo, according to Pro Football Focus, in pressures. You know, now they're not leading the league in sacks. That's one thing. I mean, pressures are great, but you want to see sacks. And that's why when you probably asked them about, you know, Miles Garrett and Clowney, Garrett and Clowney have more sacks total. So I, I, I can say, and of course, Miles Garrett's just a complete dude. He's just an absolute monster. But... Uh, you know, and and look, Crosby and Ngakwe, they have they have their their issues, what they're not great at stopping the run. They're not. But they're paid. Their job is to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. That's what Gus Bradley wants them to do. That's what Rob Marinelli wants them to do. And that's what they do. So uh, if there's any hole in their game, it's stopping the run. But yeah, man, they're really good. They challenge each other. They really push each other. If Ngakwe has two sacks, Crosby wants two sacks. If Ngakwe causes a fumble, <laughs> Crosby wants. You know what I mean? Like that's they've yep. done that all year long, where they push each other and they really compete with each other in a very friendly type way. But they want to be better than the other guy, even though they're really tight friends. You know, so that's I, I, it's been nice to see because the Raiders' pass rush in the past few years, ever since uh, uh, Khalil Mack's been gone has been non-existent. So it's been nice to see those guys really get after the quarterback this year. I just would like to see them get home a couple more times, a couple more sacks for both guys, and then they're they're doing something. But right now, they are leading the league in pressures. You mentioned them against the run. How is this defense overall against the run? And where, if you're Joe Burrow and company, are you trying to attack? And where are they vulnerable or the most vulnerable? They're not good against the run. I mean, they're just not, you know, and, and that's something that when I was doing research on Gus Bradley's defense in general, when he became the defensive coordinator, that was the Achilles heel. Like he's not really focused on stopping the run. He's focused on getting after the quarterback. He's not going to blitz very often. He's going to bring, you know, expect you to get home with your front four and 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 hope for the best, you know, and. And if they are able to slow down the run, great. But really, this defense, in my opinion, was built to play with the lead. And so if you're playing with the lead, you're not running the ball a whole lot. You know what I mean? But if you're behind and the other team is having success on the ground, they're going to keep doing it. And so uh, you've seen guys do that. The last couple of weeks, you've seen uh, the Giants have success on the ground. You saw Kansas City have success on the ground. The Raiders are struggling to stop the run right now, and their front four is good. Again, they're good, but they're really good at getting after the quarterback. They're not really good at stopping the run. Uh, I think that the, the biggest weakness right now for the Raiders' defense is really the middle of the field. That's what the Chiefs really exposed in a major way. Uh, Travis Kelsey really broke out of his shell that he was in where he wasn't playing very well, and all of a sudden he had a big-time game. He went on national TV talking about, I got my swagger back. He's all fired up and pumped <laughs> up and everything, but – the middle of the field was wide open all Sunday night, and and Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs took advantage of it. So that's a that's an area of concern. And of course, uh, like I said, at the run attack, uh, Joe Mixon. I know he's a hell of a running back. Uh, he he has an opportunity to eat as well. I don't know how healthy he is, but he has an opportunity to eat if he's uh, if he's out there. Yeah, it should be a, an interesting matchup. And I know there are a lot of Bengals fans out there that want to see more Joe Mixon and right. less dropbacks for for Joe Burrow. So we'll see if that's the case. Up next. Your boy Q is going to ask me questions about the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get back to our crossover with your boy Q. But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is back. It's better than ever. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals. You need to check out their updated website. It is even easier to navigate, even easier to wager on your favorite sporting events. Maybe it is the Bengals. Maybe it's Joe Burrow winning comeback player of the year. Maybe, well, 
it's the NBA. And my guy, Steph Curry, putting up three-pointers or Jake Lisko's Chicago Bulls where Lonzo Ball and company are getting after it right now. It doesn't matter the event. Bet Online has got you covered. So check them out right now. And when you go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On when you make that first deposit, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. More free money that you can use to wager on Lonzo Ball, Steph Curry, or Joey B. So check them out again. Betonline.ag, promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back here on the crossover edition, Cincinnati Bengals, Raiders, Legion Stadium, Las Vegas, five and four Bengals, five and four Raiders. I mean, the storylines write themselves, but to help us break down the Cincinnati side of things, James Rapine, host of Locked On Bengals. How has it been, man, covering the Bengals? Uh, they got off to a hot start. Uh, I, I was very skeptical of the team. I was very naive about the team, even saying. I didn't think they were very good, and they got off to a hot start and really made me eat my words. And, and now, all of a sudden, they've lost two straight similar to the Raiders. So, again, 5-4 five and four and 5-4. and four. What's the roller coaster ride been so far with the Cincinnati Bengals this season? Wow. It, it certainly hasn't been uh, boring, right? There's been... Uh, plenty to cover. They've they've been really exciting. You're right. You get off to that five and two start. You go on the road and you beat Baltimore and not just beat Baltimore, blow out Baltimore 41 to 17, a team that they hadn't beaten in the Zach Taylor era. And it was like, wow, maybe this team is an AFC, not only playoff contender, but maybe they could make a, a little bit of a run here and, and win the North and all of these things. And you're right. Then they lay an egg on the road in New York against the Jets, against Mike White, which is just <laughs> ridiculous to say. And, and then Baker Mayfield, and it really wasn't Baker Mayfield, it was that Browns uh, rushing attack and defense uh, had their way with the Bengals. And so now I think we don't know what they are. They right. think that they're a playoff team. I have no idea. And I think Sunday's uh, really a good gauge, not because it's a, a must win because of the way the AFC is. And you look at the standings, I don't necessarily think it is from a mathematical standpoint, but how many teams drop three straight and make the right. playoffs, especially right. at this stage. So I think it's a huge game on Sunday. You know, and that's, I can echo the same words for the Raiders. I mean, really. Yeah. And honestly, I look at the team. I look at the roster. I look at where they're at right now in the AFC. Like you mentioned, I feel like these are really two evenly matched teams that are going to be taking the field on Sunday uh, early at, at Allegiant Stadium. But, I mean, as far as just the offensive side of things, uh, Joe Burrow obviously is the guy. Jamar Chase was the first pick. I know there was some controversy. Is it going to be an O-lineman? Is it going to be Chase? Chase obviously was the right pick. But how has the rest of the offense been? How have you seen them come together? And, and, and how is the offensive line looking right now? Yeah, so the offensive line is pretty good in three spots. Both tackle spots have been solid in Riley Reef and Jonah Williams at right and left tackle, respectively. Quinton Spain has had a great year so far at left guard, the veteran uh, stepping up. He signed a one-year deal this offseason, and he's played really, really well through nine weeks. 
But there's two clear holes. Center with Trey Hopkins. He tore his ACL in January against the Ravens. Didn't miss a snap. Has played in all nine games despite having surgery in late January. But he's clearly not himself yet. And then it's been a revolving door at right guard. And it's going to be uh, Kim Adenogy, a second-year player, uh, on Sunday against the Raiders. And so if you're Las Vegas, if you're any team right now, that's where I think you want to attack. And the Bengals have struggled in short yardage run situations uh, all season. And I think that's a big reason why you have struggles at right guard, revolving door there, and below average center play. So that hurts you. But overall, the offense has been inconsistent. There are times when they look great and Jamar Chase is just awesome. And then there are times when they can't get a first down and it just seems it's just so ugly and they can't get into a rhythm and they're going three and out and they're they're failing to convert on third and one and third and two. Right. And and so that's the the part of it, I think, that's been maddening because they have a lot of talent and the offensive line, while it's not great, it's good enough to, to you know, score 28, 30 a week. But they've been inconsistent. Joe Burrow's turned the ball over. And so they need to clean a couple of things up. And, and honestly, I think if they're going to make a second half run, the offense is what's going to get them there. Joe Burrow is what's going to get them there. It's not going to be the defense, which kind of came back to the earth uh, over the past couple of weeks after a hot start. Yeah, they were. They were cooking with grease early in the season, man. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about the defense because I do. I want to pick your brain about that. But sticking with the offense right now, and you mentioned Joe Burrow and the turnovers. I mean, last season, I think he had five. And I know it was shortened because he had a torn ACL. I think he only had five interceptions. This year, I think he's like 11 or 12. What, what's mm-hmm. been the biggest reason? Why has he all of a sudden started to turn the ball over as much as he has? Yeah, so he has 11 picks. He led the NFL. I don't know if he still does uh, after week 10, but uh, certainly did going into the bye week. And it's been a mixture of things, to be honest with you, Q. Some of it was uh, just bad location. Like he had an interception against the Ravens in that blowout game where he just left it short in the end zone. And Marlon Humphrey had one of the easier interceptions of his career. It was a zero blitz. He threw off his back foot and he was trying to hit that back pylon and it was just bad location, and it was an easy interception. A couple weeks ago, through the pick six to Denzel Ward, and the throw was just late, and mm-hmm. it or yeah, it was late, and it was off target. He was supposed to throw it to the pylon, and he threw it where Ward could cut in front of Chase and uh, take it all the way to the house. So there's been some of those, and then there's been bad luck ones. Like there, there was a, a sack fumble essentially against the Bears where the ball popped up in the air, but it was caught, so it was an interception. He had one against the Jets in the fourth quarter a few weeks ago where it's a blind pass, basically, where they faked it to one side, threw it to the other, and the defensive lineman tipped it up in the air and caught it. And if that ball gets to Jamar Chase, he's probably taking it 50 yards downfield. Right. And instead, it was an interception, and the Jets uh, took the lead and eventually won the game. So some bad luck, some bad decisions. I don't think the Bengals are panicking. I don't think Burrow is panicking, but they certainly – uh, want to see that number drop in the second half. He threw, uh, you know, 11 and nine games. They would like to see probably a half an interception per game. And he's thrown one in, in five straight games, by the way, too. So you better believe Gus Bradley and company are probably talking about that. And they want to extend that streak to six games. Right. No doubt about it. They they want to make, you know, create turnovers. They haven't created a bunch of turnovers, but they definitely want to do that. And uh, I mentioned earlier to you that the Raiders run defense wasn't very good. It's actually been struggling a lot as of late. Uh, how's Joe Mixon been doing? I, I respect him a lot as a running back. Saw him a lot at Oklahoma. Uh, I know he's yep. done well in the NFL, but uh, how's he been doing this year? And, and are they using him enough or is more of it on Joe Burrow's arm? 
No, I, I think they are. They're using him. It was tough against the Browns because they got down as, as early as they did. But no, they're using him uh, in putting him in a position to succeed a decent amount. But this isn't a great run blocking uh, offensive line. And so they struggle in short yardage. And, and so the thing that I think is going to be interesting, especially in the second half, how do they generate ways to get the ball to mix in? Are they going to call more screens? Are they going to uh, motion him out? into the slot and try to get him in, in an advantageous ma- matchup against a linebacker. Uh, are, are they going to do that? Because if so, you're, you're right. You could see him have a huge impact, but as the weather changes, especially here in the Midwest, I think right. you're going to have to rely more on that power running game. And, uh, and that means putting Joe Burrow under center. And that's something, especially coming off of the knee. I don't know how comfortable he was, but I think he's getting more and more comfortable with that. And, uh, and so, yeah, Mixon's going to have to have a big year. He's been good. For, for sure, but right. uh, he's going to have to be even better, and in, in the offensive line is going to have to improve as uh, as the season goes as a, a run-blocking unit if they're going to reach their full potential as an offense because I, I think they've been, I don't want to say underwhelming, but like I said, inconsistent so far this year, and part of that has to do with the, the running game going up and down and, and all around and not being consistent when they need it to. You know, the trenches are always where it's at, right? And uh, I asked about the the uh, the offensive line for the Bengals. Well, I want to ask about the defensive line as well. The Raiders' offensive line is newly constructed. It's, this year has been kind of, a, you know, kind of mix and match different parts, and they're trying to figure it out. Didn't have a very good performance against the Chiefs. How is the defensive line for Cincinnati? How are they getting after the quarterback, creating a bunch of pressure? Does it come from the edges, up the gut? What can you tell me about the defensive line? Well, on the edge, they did sign Trey Hendrickson, and he's made an impact. You know, he's getting pressures. Doesn't give you much in the run game, but certainly is their best edge rusher. Sam Hubbard has shown flashes of it, but is is inconsistent as an edge rusher. Is much better uh, as a defensive end in the run game. But the the strength of this defensive line is certainly on the interior with DJ Reader. He's their best defensive lineman. Uh, he's been their best player on defense so far this year, and, and they have a, a rotation alongside him. You'll see some Larry Ogunjobi, BJ Hill, Josh Tupau will all rotate uh, along with Reader, but Reader's going to be out there a lot. And so they have some depth there on the interior, and that is their strength. They've been pretty solid against the run. They've uh, gotten some push up the middle. And, and that's the one edge that in, in the one difference, I think, when you look at this defense from past years to this year, that can give you some, if you're a Bengals fan, some encourage uh, or some hope that this defense is going to be what we saw the first seven weeks is because they have a lot of guys they can uh, put in there at defensive tackle and and trust. So I think it's, you know, maybe a slightly above average starting defensive line. They don't have many edge rushers behind those two guys that I mentioned, uh, unfortunately for them, which makes it tough. So you'll see some Khalid Kareem as well, uh, you know, as the third edge rusher, you see some guys like that, but they uh, uh, outside of Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, they're not generating a lot of pressure off the edge. And you mentioned earlier about the big explosive plays that they've given up as of late. What would you say that was the biggest cause of? Is that the corners? Is that the safeties not playing the way they're supposed to be playing? I know you mentioned Bates, but just what what would you say would be the biggest issue in giving up those big explosive plays? Well, the Chubb run, I think Larry Ogunjobi was in the backfield and could have made a play, didn't. Uh, There was one or two other defenders that could have tackled him, didn't. And then we know how fast he is when he gets going. He's got that track speed. So uh, he was gone. (laughs) And then uh, as far as the Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown, it was Eli Apple. And and that's a guy, if I'm uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm finding him 
And whether it's Deshaun Jackson, whether, you yeah. know, it's it's Hunter Renfro, whatever it is, and I'm going to try to isolate him and make him stop you a, a couple times because right. uh, Chidobe Awujie has been a really good surprise, I think, on this defense. He's certainly their top corner. But with Trey Wayne's out, uh, Eli Apple has been up and down, sometimes good, sometimes not. But that's certainly the the guy you want to target. And Mike Hilton hasn't been great in coverage as well in, yeah. in the slot. So when I mentioned Hunter Renfro, uh, certainly something that I could see there is Derek Carr going to Renfro on Sunday. Right. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a game, man. I mean, five and four against five and four. Both teams on a two game losing streak. Uh, both teams have playoff aspirations, but neither team knows if they're going to make it to the playoffs. I mean, they just don't. And the AFC is a mess kind of all bunched up, like you mentioned. So it should be fun, man. So uh, I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time, giving us a great detail on what to expect from Cincinnati on Sunday. That's going to do it for today's episode. For Jake Lisko, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.